I'm so excited this week to share this episode with you. As you guys know, I'm a huge collage nerd, and it was my great pleasure to welcome four guests to the podcast to talk collage. This panel took place on the Clubhouse app February 8th, 2022, and was held in conjunction with a two-person exhibition that is up through April 25th, and that features collage works by yours truly and artist Ginny Gardner. The show is called Echo and is at the Albany International Airport and was curated by Kathy Greenwood. Kathy joined me as co-host for our conversation with artists Ginny Gardner, Todd Bartell, and Michael Oatman. We spoke about glue, of course, why collage flowers in times of crisis, Todd's idea of uncollage and the broader applications of a collage state of mind. Please stick around as we form the caucus of collage. You are listening to Pep Talks for Artists, a podcast offering small words of encouragement to all those shuffling along the artist's road. I'm your host, Amy Toledo. Hi guys, because there are four guests on this panel, and it's only audio, sometimes it's a bit hard to tell who's speaking. With this in mind, I'm going to pop in here and there to ID the speakers. Now let's join the recorded talk in progress. I'm very excited tonight to have an exciting panel of guests, and we're going to talk about collage, which is my absolute favorite thing to talk about. I'm a glue nerd. I want to hear everybody's glues, and maybe somebody in the audience, I would love to hear your glues. Um, we're going to get to the bottom of collage tonight, or die trying. So in the spirit of collage, we're going to collage this talk because we're going to have a celebration of an exhibition that's up now at the Albany Airport. And the curator uh, for that show is Kathy Greenwood here on the podcast. And also the other artists in the show, it's myself and Ginny Gardner. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we thought, why not also have a more general conversation about state of collage? So we've invited two very special guests tonight to kind of fill out our conversation because they both have a very deep, deep knowledge of the genre. And in fact, one's Instagram is collage head. So I think that says a lot. <laughs> uh, that says a lot to his expertise. And then I'm going to just do some mini bios for everyone, just so everyone has an idea of who we have here on the podcast. I wanted to first introduce my co-host, Kathy Greenwood, a special co-host for tonight. She lives in Glenmont, New York, and is an accomplished curator and also an artist working in textiles, painting, and collage. She's the director of exhibitions and programs at the Albany International Airport and the curator of our show, Echo. Also, Ginny Gardner is a painter and collagist living in Catskill, New York. Ginny's paintings and collages are currently up in our show, and she just closed a solo show at the Carrie Chen Gallery in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, which I love that town, so that was fun to read. Our very special guest, Todd Bartell, is here, the aforementioned collage head. 
He's a painter, collagist, multimedia artist, and curator and educator who is a professor of art at the Cambridge School of Weston and Lesley University. And then last but not least, Michael Oatman. Michael Oatman lives in Troy, New York, and he's a multimedia artist, curator, educator, a professor of architecture at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. He recently installed an ambitious exhibition at Mass MoCA called All Utopias Fell, consisting of a collage and sculpture-filled repurposed Airstream trailer. Um, and you should really check it out on massmoca.org or in person if you're nearby in the area. We have a very different idea about recent. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think of I think of like the pandemic as not count. You know what I mean? Because like we all got stalled. So I just go back in my time machine and I'm like, 2019 is Very not good. recent. Fair enough. <laughs> it's been up for over a decade and um, they've recently decided mm -hmm. to renew their commitment to it. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I love I love the whole thing. Thank you. Um, so when Kathy visited my studio this last spring to talk about our show, we spoke about, of course, the show, but we also thought how fun it would be to organize a talk about collage, especially during the pandemic where everyone's kind of stuck and there's not as many opportunities to, you know, get out there and, and talk in person. And as many of you in the audience know, I am always going on and on about collage. I'm always demanding to know everyone's glue, but I am relatively new to collage. I'm a humble student of the genre still, and I've been uh, kind of obsessed with researching it. And the reason I love collage is because it is full of chaos. It's unpredictable, it's magical, it's self-making. And to me, it's a direct channel from the subconscious. It's unarchitected and it's its own kind of luminous body. I remember I went to the a gorge in Ithaca once and I was kind of wandering around. It was a gloomy day. It wasn't a great day for, for landscape photography, but I took a picture of the, you know, the general waterfall at the end of the path that everyone was supposed to take a photo of. and. I looked up at this dark black waterfall of the trickle of water, hardly any water coming down. And it had these two triangle glints of reflection at the top. I just noted it and, you know, walked back to my car and went back to where I was staying. And then the next day I was making collages and boom, that scene just emerged. It wasn't planned. It's almost like um, there's, it was so exciting to realize that there was this, direct link to your experiences, your subconscious that you, you weren't in control of. And once I tasted that, I kind of couldn't go back to any other way of working. So I was, you know, hooked. And I began really um, kind of researching current collages and books and things like that on, on, my, on my short journey. I've really only been doing it since um, 2020 or, or so. But I'm sure everyone knows what collage is. It's very common. It, it's a very ancient medium, it, you know, probably originated in China when paper was invented. It kind of bubbled up in the 1700s. There was a person named Mary Delaney who made beautiful botanical collages. There Extraordinary. Were yeah, gorgeous. Uh, Vic Victorians also enjoyed photo collage. Then it became kind of had a, it had this kind of explosion of popularity with the Cubism movement, as everyone knows. It's very you know typical art history, Picasso and Brock. And then the Dadaists took it you know took it a little bit further, and the Surrealists. And now we're in the contemporary um, 
you know, and it's very widespread. There's artists, you know, from Joseph Cornell to Matisse to Romare Bearden to Nancy Spiro and on and on and on. And many, many artists today are working in collage. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of doing the, the world's quickest history of collage there because I really <laughs> wanted to get into the meat of what you guys are up to in your studios and also talk about the state of contemporary collage today. That's why I kind of zoomed us through a very abbreviated history. Mm -hmm. So I have a little, I've hatched, as you know, I'm a humble student of the collage genre, new to it, but I've hatched a little theory. And uh, my theory is that as I was researching it, um, it seemed to parallel the history of at least Dadaism and our collage era now. Like, I guess, anecdotally, I've heard a lot of artists saying they turned to collage uh, recently during the pandemic, during quarantine, um, and uh, me included. And it occurred to me that it had a similarity to the Dada era. I mean, they were really in a, a terrifying time. The Dadaists were working during like World War One and World War Two. It was a really scary time. Uh, Nazis were invading um, and, and the collage was used to kind of express this horror or uh, fractured quality of society falling apart all around them. And it occurred to me that we were in a parallel universe to that with, with the uh, insurrection and COVID uh, coming at us and we had Trump and everything felt possibly, I don't mean to, you know, correlate maybe some of the more severe parts of World War One and World War Two, but I related to them in a way that I hadn't before. So uh, to me, um, collage flowers during times of fracture and societal collapse. And I was just wondering if, if you guys agree or if I'm kind of off base there. Here's Jenny Gardner. Well, I mean, personally, in terms of the just the, 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 the meditative aspect of collage has been very calming because it's been a totally tumultuous time. I absolutely agree. It's been, for me, it was like overwhelming in the first year because of the personal thing and then the overwhelming aspect of what was going on societally. And so I want to kind of connect that with um, Kathy's wonderful title for the show, To Echo, because for me, it immediately resonated. When she came to my studio, we... I could. T I just felt the great connection. I'm so thrilled to be in this show because my collages of the last four years were kind of this meditation on phenomenal transparency. And then the paintings, another layer of that, you know, grew from the, from the woodblock collages. So it was a wonderful exploration and very meditative, very calming for me, as I say. And I think that was work that I've been very, very focused in, maybe, maybe more than I would have been you know, if, if the pandemic hadn't taken place in the sense of, you know, just being so isolated and having this time to go almost into a reverie on, you know, um, on this optical color studies. So that's for me personally how it was sort of a calming thing, the, the studio. It makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. Um, yeah, yeah, because we, we all needed a, we all needed that in spades. Um, and how about yeah. you, Michael or Todd? What, what, what do you think? Here's Michael. You know, I think your your um, look back to the period between the First and Second World War is is very apt. Um, if collage were to have a motto, I've always thought it would be um, our brand is crisis. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, and, and you know, visually, that's how I um, first experienced collage was through the great collage artists of, of that period. The Max Ernst, the Hannah Hawks. Um, oh, yeah, Hannah. Oh, and, yeah. <clears throat> Mother of collage. I mean, uh, you know, she has this wonderful quote, which is, um, I would like to show the world today 
as an ant sees it and tomorrow as the moon sees it. And, you know, when I remembered that, that's where I was in March 2020 when my pandemic experience was starting. I felt like I was, you know, to the left of me, there was this telescope lens um, and to the right of me, there was this microscope lens. And so the that role of collage that so often does for me kind of came back with full force. I knew that I had to go into that mode in a very deep way again, because um, I knew I was in for a month of isolation mm-hmm. and the world was was falling apart in ways that were unclear. And it's just been such a profound medium for me, a medium of rescue, of salvage, of um, of reconsideration, repair. And so uh, I, I think your observation is absolutely right. You know, we're in one of those moments where it becomes good to turn back to the wartime larder of collage materials and projects unfinished and, and things half finished and half started. So um, to- couldn't agree more. Here's Todd Bartel. I sort of feel like the, the, the world of the here and now intangible things, it, it surrounds us all the time. And so what's so amazing about collage is not that you can't make your own materials. I make quite a few of my own materials. A lot of artists who are collage based will generate their own materials to cut those things up and then rearrange them. But the thing that's always strikes me about collage is you find things you didn't make and then you have this option to pull that into the current work or the current interest. And there's something about that, that pulling in of the here and the now that is so appropriate for your observation, Amy, that uh, it's a, you know, you, you can't escape the, the fact that what you're doing now is a reflection of, of current culture. And so that gets reflected for you as a collage-based artist based on the things you, you reach for to glue onto a surface. And so I think it's a, I think it's a, a great analogy that you made that uh, particularly, I love Michael's comment about collage's motto being the, our brand is crisis because. Uh, uh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you just look at what's being made, you know, on, on uh, Instagram is a great resource. I think one of the greatest resources for collage based artists today because it's there's quite a community that follows each other. And so you really do get to see that reflected in the here and the now for sure. Yeah. And I even want to say that, you know, if you think of like Hannah Hawker, the Dadaists, they were using, you know, newspaper, ephemera of the day. But if you even look at an artist like Matisse, okay, so he's making his papers out of gouache and you would think superficially, well, that work doesn't really reference the current zeitgeist because he was living through World War II too. But his own daughter had been, um, uh, she had worked for the uh, French, uh, I, I forget what they're called, the secret kind of spy... The- the resistance? Yes, yes. Thank you, Michael. The resistance, uh, the middle-aged brain, sometimes on the fritz. Uh, but yeah, she worked for the resistance, and um, she had been almost tortured within minutes of death until people intervened. Um, and when she came back to her dad, she just there was a comment like she just shirked that trauma like a cloak off her shoulders and move forward. And so even though he was making these idyllic, beautiful under the sea works that were all about joy and love. He was living through, um, you know, a trauma and a chaos and his own daughter, you know, had her life at risk. So I think to your point, Todd, it's, it's all reflection of now, no matter what kind of collage you're, you're making. 
taught again. Yeah, I always tell my students it's impossible not to make a self-portrait. <laughs> Interesting. You know, Here's Jenny. I was just I was just reading about a lot about Eileen Agar. She was a wonderful oh, she's colonist. She's amazing. She's amazing, and she's Cubism and Surrealism. She was around Paris in 1928, and um, so I'd always really liked um, Paul Nash's work, and it's interesting she had a relationship with him, and all her whole thing of those, them, them roaming and finding all of this, these things, found objects and stuff on the shores there, her work in England. She's a fascinating artist. I just found myself being so drawn to her in the last year, and it's probably, you know, feeling an affinity, a connection with the the 1920s and 30s, that period of time. For sure. And I wanted to circle back to something that I believe Todd, uh, I think Todd, it was you that said that there's a wonderful community of collage, collage artists on Instagram. And I have found that community. And let me tell you, it's amazing. And But, but one of the things that really struck me is that it's not connect, it's not necessarily connected to the fine art community. It's, you know, in the fine art community, for example, if I were to follow an artist on Instagram, usually I would say, oh, you know, you have 45 friends in common. But when I follow a collage artist, it's not like that. And it got me thinking that there's sort of a divide. Um, and it could be related to that many collage artists also are graphic designers or illustrators. And maybe that's not quite mm -hmm. in the same circles as fine art. But I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on that. I might be off base too. Here's Michael. I don't know. It's been a revelation. I mean, I was goaded into joining Instagram because my girlfriend thought this is a much better platform for you than something like Facebook or uh, other social media. And um, it was certainly a kind of rabbit hole. And one, one thing that seems pretty clear is that there are a lot of artists working on Instagram who don't necessarily reference a lot of deep art history. I think they're they're communicating with each other. They're admiring each other. They're kind of riffing off each other. And uh, it, it reminds me of when I first started studying in this area and, and took some courses at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in the electronic arts department. Art history seemed to start after 1960. And and that's fine. You know, um, it really uh, was focused around video. And it's, it's interesting seeing the Venn diagram of Instagram artists who I would also say some are interested in kind of goth and, and emo music and animation and mm -hmm. kind of erotica. So it's, it seems to be there, is, um, there are kind of worlds within worlds, a kind of Russian you know, nesting doll of associations. And then those things collide with a lot of uh, adjacent you know, groups of makers. So... Uh, that, that's been an exciting thing to kind of tap into a little bit to try to understand its codes and, and to work with them. Todd again. I, I would add that it's a decentralized community. And what's interesting to me about that is that there was a paradigm century ago to, to be in a, in a city with a group of artists working in proximity to one another. And partly due to the pandemic, but I think Facebook, you know, social media has been around before the pandemic, obviously. But there's something that that the, the 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 platform levels the playing field in a way that means that Maximatic, uh, yeah, uh, you know, who lives in Spain and he's and, amazing, uh, yeah. And uh, Andrea Burgay, who's in Brooklyn, you know, we can all be talking 
connected without necessarily having to be in the same locale. And that's really interesting for the collage community because it's it's really a mirror to what collage is. Bits mm -hmm. and pieces from all over the place converging in this new site. And so the site's interesting because it, it moves, it's fluid, it's, it's fractured, but it's also very interconnected. And so there's something I think really quite beautiful about that. Yeah. It is really beautiful. And I, yeah. I wanted to just highlight Maximatic. If anyone is unaware, there's a, a I think it's a website or a blog called The Weird Show. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a he's a wonderful community builder. He does a lot of interviews with collages, um, and articles, and uh, just a wonderful central hub. I've found a lot at a lot of really good quality artists through him. Artists I've come to love through just my new collage journey. Um, John Gall, who's also um, a graphic designer, I believe. Uh, Andrea Mortson, I think, makes magical work. Jack Felice, like I can't get oh, enough yeah. of him. He's so good. John Hunt and Andrea Bergay, of course. Of course, you guys. But then there's also a TikTok collage community. I just was going to say, yeah, that's yeah. a great one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and because you, you mentioned it to me, and I, I've, I've been liking it a lot. It's very yeah. exciting. People make stop motion collages in real time and video them and put some fun tunes to it. So it's a whole other area of collage there. But but like I said, never the twain shall meet. I've got, you know, fine artists like Paula Wilson, Carrie Moyer, Ann Tebby, Lorna Simpson. They're, you're not really seeing them crossing with this other group. Um, and it's just interesting to me because I feel like I kind of see both worlds in a way, on Instagram at least. Michael, again. So the, this disclaimer must be made that this is a massive, massive time suck. And it's a wormhole. <laughs> it's very difficult to it extract really yourself from. Ginny again. Yeah, it really is. It, it, I, I love the, all of the collage collectives and stuff too. I mean, I've always, I've actually enjoyed Collage Magazine for many, for several years now. Um, Rick Cassini's done, and and just on, on Instagram, you know, I like that Twin Cities, the collage collective out there. I like what they're doing. There's so many groups that it, it is really, yeah. You just, you definitely go down that rabbit hole, Michael. But, but I found most of the contemporary collage artists that I like, I'm finding them on, you know, Instagram. Uh, I've just been looking at the Tico Kerr, and I've always liked Clive Knights, and I, oh, like, yeah. what Janice Mc, well, I like what Janice McDonald is doing. I mean, there's so many. Oh, yeah. and it's just wonderful. It's just fabulous. Here's Michael. Former architecture student named Kira Wong, who has... 11,000 followers wow. on Instagram, <laughs> you know, doing really making, she, you know, works for the architect Raphael Vignoli, but uh, at night she's making lots of collages. And in fact, she just conned me into buying 10,000 life magazines with her. Um, oh my God. So, uh, that's so great. She is, that's great. She is hardcore. But Jenny, thank you for bringing up collage magazine because the people in the audience may not realize that it's spelled K O L A J. And that is a great resource. Also, you can join a directory, put your portfolio up there if you want to. And they have kind of open calls and things. If you're in, into collage, I, I got so into collage. I started a whole nother Instagram for just collage, just so I could go in there and only see collage. Yeah. It's like my whole feed yeah. would just yeah. be collage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's Michael. Well, you know, Todd Bartell is one of the great frequent contributors to Collage Magazine. Oh, that's, and, that's yeah. amazing. Okay, great. 
I mean, Todd's yeah. really become kind of a scholarly authority, and his recent his recent essay, "The Third Thing Is Immaterial," explores. I just I have it with me right here. It's a great yeah. article. <laughs> Todd again. Thank you. I have another article coming out. It's in the next issue, and that'll Wonderful. be my sixth one so far. So <laughs> exciting, and. I, I've been dominating all the questions because, as you know, guys, I could like literally talk all night. But I just wanted to give Kathy a chance to ask some questions too, and not hog the mic. <laughs> oh, I've been I've been listening uh, very attentively and enjoying it so much. Uh, you know, uh, while we're talking with Todd about his his expertise, Todd, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about a term that you have coined and that has has gotten out into the universe of collage now and that is the word uncollage you know we often think about collage in terms of cut paper and adhesive but you've advocated for a more expanded understanding of composite assembly and i wonder if you could just talk about that a little bit here's todd bartell oh i i, I love that uh, invitation thank you so much uh, kathy i uh, it's the the term uncollage was uh, an idea before that it was a term for you know I probably started thinking about it in the early 1990s and it was coming in contact with artwork like uh, paintings by Julie Heffernan and discovering for the first time after college that you know James Rosenquist huge paintings started as collages and then being perplexed by that well wait a minute we we call these paintings, but I don't hear people saying they're collage. If I talk to my friend, Michael Oatman, you know, we can look at them and say, yeah, that's collage. And we have no problem saying they're collages, but by definition, because they're made exclusively with paint, they're considered paintings. And so uh, it, it bothered me for a long time, frankly, people like um, Mark Tanzi, for example, Julie mm -hmm. Heffernan. And so, you know, it, it occurred to me that they're all dependent on collection that these images get subsumed into the, the 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 surface of the painting and that all record of the the three operations of collage the finding the minding and the binding gets undone by virtue of the material that's being used as the primary vehicle for expressing and so i started thinking about the fact that it's collage, but it's also undone. If it's a painting, it's un the record of the collage is undone by virtue of making the seamless surface. I um, love how you said finding, minding, and binding. <laughs> well, that's, the that's the that's the teacher in me. That I, I always tell my students <laughs> there's three main operations to collage, and each one of them is a universe of possibility. And so, really, that's that, that's the idea. My uh, the definition I've put forward now has gotten has gone through so many revisions it's kind of crazy but um, my most recent quick definition is seamless unison so it it, it covers this work for example of uh, you know Ginny your your work in fact your yeah. I mentioned your work in in collage magazine number 26 as a great example of what uncollage looks like because you start your paintings, or many of them anyway, with a collage that you're faithful yes. to. Absolutely. You know, when you look at when you look at the two things together, one is qu quite small, and then the other is mm -hmm. much larger. But there's a there's such dedication to 
to what was assembled in the first place, that it's kind of a remarkable thing. Ginny, again. Well, that's, it's interesting because I've been working from collages since the early 90s. Um, all of my paintings are based on collage studies or collage montage studies, and some of them are more seamless uh, feeling than others, but they're all basically very closely optically. I basically have, have something called equivalent palette. I like to make the equivalent palette to translate from my collage studies into the medium of you know opaque color mixtures and oil paint. So that's really been my thing for about 30 years, regardless of the subject matter. And I was thinking about so much about the seamless thing. I like your, where you're going with that. And I was reading just this week, I was reading The Americans, the Linda Cathcart, 1982, The Americans, the collage, the collage Contemporary Art Museum in Houston, Texas. I was thinking of your uncollage exploration. And she wrote, this is his pre-digital time. This is before our digital revolution, even in 1982. She wrote, collage can also be made by means of illusion works that are visually but not physically collage. Here's Todd. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I, I like to think of the word uncollage a little bit like the, the word utopia. It sort of means everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And so I like the term having the word collage in there because it comes to mind what that is very quickly. But the unperplexes people. And so I always have to remind people that when I chose the the prefix un, it's, it's the, uh, you know, the sense of it being a lack of so like a lack of glued paper for example people people use the term collage and it's it so immediately conjures images of paper mm -hmm. i always like to remind people that the definition is actually about the glue so. that's right <laughs> glue is so central and and i would uh, and todd todd have you written about uncollage um online that people could check out todd bartell so if you search my name and issue, I-S-S-U-U, -S -S -U, you'll come up to the place that I post some of my writings. Ever since Collage invited me to start writing for the magazine, I've been posting those there as well. So yes, all the Collage articles are, are posted there at the moment. Here is Michael Oatman. I think one of the great things about Collage has to be that uh, it affords terms like uncollage, uh, you know, escaping into the atmosphere because I think that in some ways it it is a medium that is filled with very personal kind of um, histories that you can select from. I mean, I, I always think about the a collage as being a kind of modern collage as being kind of artifact of colonialism. Right. And I think about, you know, kind of how the world became a smaller place through, you know, trade, uh, unfortunately, through mm. the slave trade, um, through warfare. And I mean, if you think about Baudelaire coming along in the mid 1800s and inventing the term modernity, that was a kind of direct response to the Industrial Revolution, right? He's considered the first modernist poet. And I think that that was the era of, you know, dramatic rise in mass production. So, you know, I look at Todd's uh, scholarship as, of course, deeply kind of academic and built on research, but it is also in, in a lot of ways born out of the experience of making collages and then trying to to find histories that go with those innovations and in process and yeah. how you begin to develop a content for your collage that may or may not have anything to do directly with the official history. 
And and Todd, um, I, I don't know if the audience doesn't know, um, we should talk a bit about, uh, would you mind describing your collage work or uh, what's going on in your studio right now, just so everyone can get a visual picture? So I've been for the past, uh, actually it's 20 years now, I've been working on an idea to have collage be horizontally connected as opposed to topical or uh, how do I phrase that? I always struggle when I say this. So about 1989, I realized that all my collages were gluing on top of pieces of paper. And so I thought, oh, well, is that the only thing? Can you only just build up? So I realized, oh, no, of course I can sand through. And so for a period of time, I was really layering paper to sand through and, and dealing with decollage. And that quickly led me to make assemblages. But then I started thinking, okay, is that my only options as a collage artist? This is before I had the term on collage or before digital collage was a thing. And so I, I literally wondered, well, what about sideways collage? Can I cut paper and then insert paper so that I have one even surface? So I, I, like, I used to call it puzzle piece collage because of the obvious connections to, you know, fitting puzzle pieces together and they interlock. But oh, the yeah, I was I, yeah. I saw that on your website and I really, really wanted you to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so lately I've been doing I've been calling it uh, interlocking collage and I'm going to space on who suggested the term. But give me I'll get back to that in a minute. But basically, it means that I'm cutting through several pieces of paper simultaneously. And it's the same exact shape. So if the paper is of different hues or textures or colors, then what happens is I can exchange those pieces because they're all identical, as long as I'm careful when I cut. So I cut once and I get four projects. So it, it forces me to have a, if I don't want to, to put them on a substrate, what I have to do is tape them from behind so the pieces don't fall away. Yeah, they do seem to have almost like um, a lot of them have holes in them, like they've kind of eroded <laughs> or disintegrated, uh, which is, strikes me as unusual. I don't see that that um, that done that often. So essentially, yeah, I'm using paper that's decrepit, that's really been through a lot. And so I like to respect those things that I find. And so I've had to invent different ways to get the paper to stay uh sturdy enough to be held up so to speak so so i call those when i repair from behind i use document repair tape i also use a tape band-aid so where i use like a yes glue and i and i cover the seam on the back with it and then for the for those places where you see holes sometimes the holes are so big the structure of the paper would collapse if it didn't have some sort of flying buttress to repair it so yeah sometimes i have to have a a sort of like a little assistance to you know to get two things to to kind of stay in a a fabric weave so to speak so i don't know if that helps yes and and then um of course you know i'm a bloodhound i heard a glue i heard about a yes glue um is yes glue the only glue that you use or mo many collage people use an assortment do you have other glues you use also or are you a yes glue uh, man only no, I, I glue for me as it gets into a trick question. I'll 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 save some of my comments for later. But um, I use if if it can hold things together, I'll use it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything goes. I, I'm like that yeah. too. I I enjoy a glue stick. <laughs> um, 
Kathy, I wanted to see if you wanted to, I know that you wanted to ask some questions to Michael as well. Here's Kathy. Yeah, well, I was, you know, now that we've sort of had our minds blown open about the idea of uncollage, you know, that's just like such a hugely expansive concept. And so I think it's, it's so interesting to kind of spend some time thinking about that. And then it, it leads me to think about collage as a place that you inhabit and a process. And so I wonder if maybe Michael, you could talk a little bit about your life as collage. And, and, and the kind of the kind of installations that you've made and you know your own sort of Mertzbau <laughs> for you know to harken back to our our old friend Kurt Schwitters you know um you seem you seem to be someone who would be per, you know just perfectly able to speak to collage as installation and, and your environment, I'm interested in that as well. Here's Michael. Sure, sure. Well, I think much like the work in Echo, uh, my <clears throat> early life as a painter was uh, making collages and scaling them up and kind of painting those uh, kind of conditions that I was getting out of a variety of different sources. And I think Todd knows this story that truth be told, those paintings were, were never really as good as the collages. Um, and uh, many years later, when I went to Yaddo uh, for a residency, I just decided to bring only uh, an X-Acto handle and a box of blades and started purchasing a lot of junk material locally from Saratoga Springs. Prior to that, I had made a number of large-scale installations, which I referred to as maximum collages and environments and um, still films, as opposed to the term film stills. And this was because I was making places that, uh, you know, the viewer was surrounded on all sides by, and they were essentially three-dimensional collages, you know, very narrative, um, not very abstract, um, but often kind of nightmarish and multimedia and I would make video and I would make paintings to populate them with and, and work with artisans to uh, help me make a place essentially. And <clears throat> I think that sort of reached its apex with a apex with a piece like All Utopias Fell at Massimoco, but I also did a number of early projects that were steeped in uh, pseudoscience like eugenics and looking at capital punishment and uh, the prison industrial complex. And so, you know, these were often um, uh, like collages, you know, uh, places with a kind of nightmare edge to them. Uh, you know, to my mind, you know, going back to, you know, the roots of modernity, um, you know, when Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley writes Frankenstein, she's essentially building a monster. And I've always thought of collage as, as not as never too far from the idea of making monsters. Um, we, we certainly see that as a kind of gateway experience for people in making collage. They take a, a body and a head or distort it. Um, it's become kind of a trope. And um, oh, yes. so, you know, for me, the um, <clears throat> that's uh, that runway from making collages into making 
objects on the wall that had a low relief quality. Um, it, it really was a matter of, of not loving being in group shows and seeing stuff to the left of my work and the right of my work that often had, had nothing to do with it um, thematically or, you know, it was often kind of poorly placed into a show. So I began to make these little contexts for my images, which might be a piece of furniture, a wallpaper background, and then a collage or a painting on that surface. And it really was a, a very um, deliberate evolution from flatness into kind of the voluptuousness of a room. And then at a certain point, I realized that as the collages were getting bigger, I was spending as much time researching and going after material for a large collage as I might in, in making an installation that took me a year or two to make. So there was a kind of time factor for me, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a, this interesting crossing point right now because um, I currently don't have any big installations in process, but the collages are getting bigger and bigger. They're now up to 30 feet long. Wow. Uh, as Todd well knows. And there are also something else is happening kind of through the pandemic, which is that I've become interested in the large thing that is also very small. So I've made a number of projects recently, which are long unfolding books that are 50 feet long, but then they fold up to the size of a candy box. <laughs> and, <it>. um, <laughs> and also, I think I've gotten interested in the original location of the collage component, which is the, the isolated object. I mean, when I cut something out, unless it just stays around in a pile for a really long time, it gets put into a collage and is immediately surrounded by lots of other things. But lately I've become interested in that, the singularity of the, of the components. So I've been doing projects where I'm stuffing envelopes like CD uh, envelopes with those clear circular windows. Mm -hmm. And those um, let me pre you know, present thousands of images uh, in a giant grid, but they're all completely isolated from one another. They're made equals in a way. And that has taken me now into an, another take on collage as installation, which is not just a big grid of this imagery, but rather making new shapes with new perimeters out of um, these components. So I'm working on two big pieces right now. One is um, a 20 foot long image of a cottage with some landscaping, and it's probably got about 800 circular components that make up that image and then another one about twice as big is a joining of the lunar module and the command module you know in that shape of those two space vehicles in a position which i'm really excited to talk about is a view of those two vehicles that no human being has ever seen in real life uh, because those astronauts were either in one vehicle or the other looking at their companion vehicle while they were joined but that image of them together was never seen by a kind of outside viewer. And so that's something I often think about, like bringing the viewer into a kind of extraordinary situation. And for a long time, that was only in installations. But now I want to return pictures into the service of like the encounter with the individual component. So that's very clear. And the encounter with the perimeter silhouette of the image, which is also very clear. And, and may we know your adhesives. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm nowhere near as expansive as Todd, except in the conceptual department. Uh, I use mm -hmm. primarily a Super 77 spray mount. I've used it for 35 years. 
I think when I initially started making collages, I was using rubber cement and glue stick and Elmer's glue. And I still sometimes rely on those. And I guess the, mo the most recent addition to my glue arsenal is um, a Kamadi paper, which is usually in, you know, 30 by 40 inch sheets. And it's um, two pieces of wax paper on either side of the glue interior. And so if I'm gluing down something that's like movie poster size background, I won't use the spray glue anymore. I will make essentially a large decal and adhere a series of decals in order to make a large background. Mixed results, sometimes they bubble up, uh, not uninterestingly, but um, mm -hmm. that sort of puts the collage as a material surface kind of back into the realm of something very handmade. You know, it doesn't seem like it's printed source at that point. It seems like it is part of the language of, you know, the difficulty of, of that as a medium. I think I used to get kind of upset when people would say, oh, great print. And I'd be like, no, it's not a print. It's a hand cut collage. <laughs> uh, and I used to do incredible flips and twists to preserve the integrity of the image. I would, I would color the, the white edge of each collage piece with a matching magic marker color, kind of a dried out magic marker. So you wouldn't see the white edge. And in recent years, I've mm -hmm. decided I want the white edge to be present. It's, it kind of reinforces the, the handmade quality of it. Here's Todd Bartell. I always ask my students, how many kinds of glue are there? And so it's a bit of a setup of a question, but uh, let me let me pose that question to you, Amy. <laughs> I would say infinite. <laughs> That's a pretty good answer. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know them all. That's the thing. That's why I'm on my one person quest to find out. So I would say that there's about... I've cataloged about 22 and I'm not, I'm very unsure that that's the number to say because I, I have three main categories for that 22. So I, I divide glue into nature-based glues, man-made fasteners, and then mind-based glues. So for example, with nature-based glues, we have atomic glue, molecular glue, genetic glue, linear, gravity, magnetic glue, Higgs boson. And for, man-made fasteners, I, I credit wet adhesives, dry adhesives, hardware, gene splicing, and quantum pinning. And the ones mm. that are my favorite glues, which I would argue are the, more important than anything you can use to stick something together, and these are the mind-based glues. So for example, visual glue, pattern-based glue, emotional glue, memorial glue, linguistic glue, meaning alphanumeric, associative glue, conceptual glue, philosophical glue, and philosophical glue and moral glue. So mm -hmm. when you when we are drawn to make a thing and we are reaching for a memory or are working with a, a, a strong feeling, th those types of glues are far more pertinent, I think, to the work of art than, than the physical stuff that we may be actually combining things with. And for, for example, I, I would just love to, to give um, Kathy Greenwood a bit of credit here as an uncollagist because in a show I curated uh, a couple of years ago called Unfolding Object, we exhibited Kathy's dishes uh, painting, which is a collection of dishes that has a strong memorial sense. And uh, it's a beautiful uncollage painted exquisitely to, to display the, the stack of, of plates. And it looks photographic. You might, in fact, think, how are those pieces of ceramics not falling off the wall when you first walk into the room? But it's a collection of personally owned uh, objects that 
you know, many a meal were eaten upon. And so there's something else going on with that collection that is beyond just the physical grouping together of objects. And to Kathy. Now I'm outed as being an <laughs> Yeah, you thought you could hide. <laughs> hiding, um, hiding behind my curatorial position. Well, that leads me to a couple of questions, though. I, I was thinking a little bit about, about digital collage, about collage that does not involve glue. Todd again. Well, it's alphanumeric so, glue, isn't it? Isn't well, right. That, it's so, just a bunch so of numbers. <laughs> there again, you've sort of, you know, blown my mind again, Todd. <laughs> beyond, you know, beyond the digital collage, which I think maybe is still in its infancy at this point, but to, like you said, to emotional collage and, you know, the, the, the field just seems to be so wide open. It's, it's such an exciting time to be working in that, that medium. The, the other thing I wanted, I wanted to just bring up too, is that, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a curator as my day job and, um, Todd is a curator, and Michael uh, has done a lot of curating yeah. of exhi uh, exhibitions. And so I wanted to just throw out there that, you know, arguments could be made about the curatorial process as being very collage-like in its process. And so I just wanted to bring that up and see if either you or Todd had any, any thoughts about oh, that. Oh, great question. Todd I, I mean, definitely. I, I, when I, when I first took on the role of creating or, or uh, founding the Thompson Gallery at the Cambridge School of Weston, which was in 2006, and the first show opened 2007, I knew then that I would be doing a, uh, a call for art for 2012, the, the centennial of modern collage appearing in, in the paintings of Picasso and Brock. I knew I, w I wanted to call attention to that particular moment. And I had a huge, I got a huge response to that call, 524 applications that I had to go through. Each had 20 images. And so, you know, when I was doing that project, I thought, oh, I'm just going to claim this is my piece. <laughs> the whole, the, and then I thought I'd piss off all these artists. You know, <laughs> I chose to end up. I ended up working with 250 artists and and broke the show into four parts. And yeah. I, you know, so I really toyed with claiming that. But I have. I would just have to say that the those those three operations, the finding, minding, and binding. I think it's so true, Kathy. You you have to collect artists, or you put out a call and you sift through them. You have to select the work. You think about how you know, how that glue holds together. The visual glue of Echo is exquisite. If you haven't seen the show, at least go online to, to look at it because it just it's a delight for the eyes. And mm -hmm. then there's this minding process that happens as a curator. You you want to understand what what the artist was after, or maybe what their relation to history is. Are they aligning with history? Are they showing us something new? And then there's this binding thing that happens because as a curator, not only are you thinking about the artists, the history, the relationship, but you're thinking about the venue, the surrounding community, the audience. And so all of these things are things you tend to. And that's it, it is a piecemeal work and it's dovetailing work. It's joinery. And so 
know, in some ways, the curator is a kind of a glue to all those things, a kind of a magnetism to pull all those things together and, and to sift it. But that, uh, you said something a moment ago, Kathy, that I thought was really quite beautiful. You, you also want to leave room for the artist to have a voice and to provide a vision. And there's something about that that happens. So I always think that curating is this beautiful blend of minds meeting and ideas coalescing. And so I think the metaphor to collage is really quite profound. <laughs> Very well said, Todd. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Here's Michael. Yeah, there's there's not much more to really add to that. I think that um, I realized a few years ago that that more than being an artist and more than being a teacher and and maybe even more than I was involved in some relationships, <laughs> I was first and foremost a viewer. That's a role that I really relish and I've been trying to develop for a, a long time, but it's only in recent years that um, I put together the idea that being a curator occasionally was an act of extreme viewing. And it looks like I do a big show, big curatorial project every four years or so, because that's exactly how long it takes me to forget how much work it is. Um, <laughs> so, you know, those of you who are doing it, those of you who are doing it with more regularity, I, I really salute you. But it, it absolutely is an act of collage. And I think that you have to really be having a dialogue that's constantly ongoing between like you as a viewer and imagining what you're able to deliver to other viewers um, through a kind of curatorial process. It's also a chance to maybe reflect and write about work in a way that we don't do enough with our own work. And so that gets me briefly back into a mode of writing about my own my own process, that, that there's kind of a flurry of that sort of activity after I do a show about the work of others. So um, it, it's become a real tool uh, of sustainability for me in my own practice. And I also really like having a uh, kind of local community role as a curator that is different than, you know, putting on a solo show or being in a group show. So really a great tool, I think, for the artist. And interesting Definitely. that you said sustainability, too, because that is kind of the core of collage is just recycle, oh. recycle, reuse. <laughs> Michael again. Yeah, I'm an old Yankee, and, and I really <laughs> believe that the heart of my collage is a kind of stinginess. Yeah. <laughs> you have like the one, you have the one sweater that you've had for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, just the, I always, I'm pretty early on in my career as a younger artist, I would say that I like starting with not artist materials, but with things that have a biography already. So the things that I would find on the street that I would salvage, take home and clean up and probably keep around for far too long before I started doing something with them. That really was coming out of, I think, um, thrift and growing up in Vermont and, you know, not having a lot of disposable income. Uh, and certainly when I went to college, my students always are shocked when I tell them that my my budget for that first semester of freshman year was $100. I took $100 with me to school, to college, and I had to make that work. And so that meant learning how to dumpster dive and valuing this this idea of, of um, objects with a past in a way that I was going to try to cooperate with those somehow and, and be in dialogue with them. Yeah, I think that's that for me, that's at the essence of collage as a, as a kind of um, act of salvage. 
Yeah, so many people uh, who work in collage are also sculpture. You know, a lot of sculptors now are reusing things, um, like thinking of Courtney Puckett's work, but, but many, many others are using the collage sensibility of waste not, want not. Mm -hmm. Like there's no such thing as failure or trash in the collage world. Um, so I wanted to just do some kind of light questions, if you don't mind. Uh, like a Jeopardy category, we're going to select tired tropes, tired tropes as a Jeopardy category. And as you know, uh, kind of started uh, looking into collage recently myself, and at first everything dazzled me. But then, you know, as you see enough work, you start to realize, okay, this is where the cliches are. And I would like to just say, I'm going to stick my flag in the ground and say that one of the cliches of collage is something growing out of a head. <laughs> and <laughs> and one another cliche is something decontextualized on an outer space background. <laughs> and I would be curious to know if anyone else has some off the top of their head. Here's my Oh thought. my god, birds. First of yes, all. Yes, birds. <laughs> I'm a huge violator of this and contributor to it because I made you have a whole body of work. <laughs> collages for many years, so guilty as charged. Um <laughs> It's funny, when I was teaching painting, my, my friend uh, Frank Owen and I came up with the Ten Commandments of, you know, paintings, thou shalt not. And they were things like no nuclear explosions, no repurposing <laughs> yes. mullioned windows, yes. no swirlies, um, no eyeballs, no beer cans, no cigarette butts. Um, and I think that those are, uh, those are good things to stay away from in collage as well. And to Kathy. I had a I had a professor in graduate school who uh, who laid out to the um, undergrads, uh, no deer antlers. Mm. She, had, she had very few rules. Right. This this was in the in the field of, of textiles, and of course, you know people are wont to weave stupid things into deer antlers, and so she laid down the law: no deer antlers. And there was really a real good. deer antler moment in the early two thousands, I think, too. <laughs> oh really? They, in they, general, they came back. Yeah, they came oh, back. Oh, I in got the mine over within the eighties. Uh, <laughs> Michael again. Uh, actually, you know, a thing that I'm already tired of, and and, and these were beautiful at first, but I'm I'm done with um, collages made from negative spaces of uh, fashion catalogs. I guess. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Same page. Uh, Ginny, do you have anything on top of your head that uh, annoys you? Know, you? I, I'm kind of drawing an empty on, uh, uh, empty on it, but I just got to go back, if you don't mind. I just want it, something Todd said. Oh, yes. really got me. When he, when he talked about cutting through several layers, I just that made me think so much about one of my favorites of all time who has to be mentioned in the Collage Caucus, and that would be Jiri Kolar. Oh, you know, so Jiri Kolar, the whole Jiri Kolar. His whole thing, he was you know, exhibiting his collages in Prague in 1937, and he, he invented this whole glossary, you probably know of it, of terms in collage. Oh, um, yeah. And, and they're just fascinating, you know, this chiasma and confrontage and crumplage and intercollage and rollage and, 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 and prolage, and it's just a wonderful romp through so many ways you deal with how you are cutting and how you're associating, you know, making that spark happen. And Todd, you made me think about that. You made me think, I'm, I, I want to go back and table right now and take this object I've been 
cutting out and do it under, you know, cut through five different types of paper with all these different layers. You know, it's very kind of strata. The strata thing about that got to me. Sorry about the digression, but I don't oh, have anything to add. I don't have anything to add to the um, tired trope. You're so good at this. I'm just enjoying. Well, <laughs> um, but Jenny, I must have your glue. Please uh, oh, enlighten me. My glue. My glue's got a little bit of an interesting little story, actually. Oh, good. I, a, a collage artist who I just adore, who's since passed away, Elaine Lustig Cohen. She was born in, I think, about 1928, 1929. Her first husband, Al, Alvin Lustig, was a book designer. And I met Elaine and I actually put her in one of my shows that I curated back in the late 90s. I met her in, in the Chelsea neighborhood of 23rd Street where I was making all these laser prints. So I was going down there to make lasers and things for my collage work. And I met Elaine Lustig Cohen, a very elegant woman. And she looked at me and she said, are those your collages? And I said, yes. you know. And I said, are those yours? And we immediately became friends, collage friends. And I said, I'm just really pissed about this kind of glue. And she said, oh, let me show you mine. You're going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called, called Neshen, N-E-S-C-H-E-N, Neshen Goody, G-U-D-Y, 870 Mounting Adhesive. Yes. And what it, it's wonderful because you can just press and peel off, you know, whatever you cut out, and you peel off the liner in the back, and you apply it, and it's so clean. And, you know, in my things, like when I'm doing the artifact color collages and other pieces, and I'm using a lot of archival photo paper, you know, of my own photography, and then I'm using very fine woodblock papers. So I really like the cleanness of the Venetian booty paper. Because you're worried about buckling with those kind of papers, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. And so they're very, and they're they're acid-free, it's acid-free, and it's suitable for mounting, you know, anything and it's very useful for inkjet images and it's it's just very it's very i just like about the fact that there's no the edge can be perfectly uh pressed down you know if you if you're going for seamless it's great well this has been a cornucopia of new glues for me i'm really enjoying this um and then another fun question i wanted to ask is uh michael you mentioned yato Okay, so there's lots of art residencies out there, of course, but, but uh, you know, it just it just annoys me that there's no, like, specific collage residency, and if there were one, what would it be like? Like, what would the ideal collage residency studio be like? Mine would be a room with a complete perimeter of tables, like a table, mm-hmm. like there'd be no way to walk to a wall because you'd be blocked by a table. <laughs> and there'd be um, like m- many paper cutters uh, and almost like wall, uh, every table covered in uh, the self-healing cutting mats. Mm-hmm. But, but I'd love to know what you guys' ideal situation would be. Michael Oatman. Well, um, hopefully you, uh, we've all made that in our homes or in our studios <laughs> um, for ourselves, but uh, space is always at a premium. I, I will kind of direct you to an existing residency. It may be on hold at the moment, but uh, my good friend Paul DeYoung, the great um, composer and cellist uh, with long time with the band The Books, has started something called the Mall of Found, uh, F-O-U-N-D. And basically, Paul, for the past decade, has been gathering 100,000 VHS sources and audio sources and, um, and photographic sources that he formerly was storing in a mall in, um, uh, in Lebanon, New York, West Lebanon, New York. 
now he's in North Adams, Mass, and looking for a new home for this. And the idea was, um, I think for two years, applicants could come and access uh, any of his material, both in the analog form and digitally scanned, and use it to make new videos, new audio works, and new image works. Paul has been buying vintage photographs by the banana box full from Belgium for about 10 years. I think he's up to a quarter That's an million. alliteration right there. Banana yeah. box full of from Belgium. <laughs> exactly. There's a good title. Um, and, and so Paul, I think, is going to at some point try to make that archive available to artists again to work with. But to my well, mind, I, I think that um, other than that great list of kind of things that you would want in a good workspace, I would think that for me, a chance to work with an archive that's not the one that I've put together would be an amazing. Wow, like a fresh, a fresh bunch of banana fresh boxes. Archive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That would be exciting. Uh, Todd yeah. and Ginny. Here's Todd Bartell. I, I would, I would just jump on that as well. The, the chance to work with a museum collection or a library collection or a place where I can go and make copies of things and then work with the copies or something like that. But uh, before Michael pointed out that great, great idea for a residency, I was going to say that my favorite idea of residency would be the fourth dimension. Ooh. And if you can give me time, I'm happy. So, so a residency that just gives you time, because frankly, my studio, my collage studio fills a four, a 24 foot truck. So I don't necessarily want to, go outside of my own playground of my own studio. <laughs> so for me, that would be time for sure. But if, but the idea that, that I could be, I could go someplace to work with an existing collection is something that is particularly interesting to me. And it's something that uh, I actually have coming up on the, on the horizon now. As a matter of fact, it's so interesting. We have several people in this podcast also participating. So I've been, I was invited a couple of years ago to curate a show for the Art Complex Museum in Duxbury, Mass. And it was a response to seeing the show that I curated at the Concord Art Gallery. And they invited me to do a show in honor of their 50th anniversary where they're pulling out 50 objects never before seen by the public. So what they did is they asked me to, to select a group of artists and to have them select a work that's going to go on view and then make a work about that work. So it, it's interesting because Michael suggested that we call that show Echo and here. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Which yeah. for a long that's time, it was funny. going to be something close to that. But then I decided to play off of the idea of complex muses, which is the oh, title of the show. And that's, that's going to open nice. up this spring. And so, so that uh, will be you, Ginny and Michael all in the show. And, and yes. Kathy. Too, yes, or, yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful! Congrats, guys. Here's Jenny. So exciting! Yes. I mean, that, that Todd, you know, offered this to us, and you could look through this amazing holdings of the Art Complex Museum and say, "Hmm, you know, this one speaks to me." It was really, it's a thrill. It's a thrill to be a part of it. And and would you guys mind saying like the the dates of the show? Oh, let me pull that up. Yeah, it's May. May 18th to September 4th. Oh, wonderful. Okay, yeah. So the podcast will come out before that so people can get a little advance notice. That's great. But, you know, actually, what I thought I might do is pass to you, Kathy, if you don't mind, and, and ask you to talk about your vision for the show and, and your ideas about collage in terms of the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Amy. You know, so often ideas for exhibitions for me 
uh, are sparked by the artists themselves. And so when I encountered your work and, and Jenny's work, I saw such an interesting kind of reflection happening. And this was before we met, before I spoke with you or spoke with Jenny. But seeing the way that the the way that you work with collage and and painting in tandem and the kind of parallels in your processes i just thought that it would make for a beautiful exhibition and the chance to explore notions of collage and of painting and um so that's kind of how the exhibition was born and how you get to the notion of echo which i think kind of embodies some really important qualities of both of your work. I would, be, I would be so thrilled to have everyone who's listening come and visit Echo at Albany Airport through April 25th. And if you do check out the Instagram, um, in the link tree, there is a link to the digital catalog that you can see uh, that goes with the exhibition. So if you can't make it to the show itself, you can thumb through the catalog and see some photos. And the airport's website uh, for the art program is albanyairportartandcultureprogram.com. And you can take a look at the exhibition that way as well. Yeah, the gallery is a very cool space. It's, it overlooks it's, uh, the runway. So, so when you beautiful. come to... Yeah, when you come to view the show, um, you can see planes landing and taking off right right in these kind of floor to, you know, 20 foot windows. So it's a it's a fun place. Uh, kids are welcome. So it's it's a really special gallery. And you don't have to go through security. You just pop right in, boom, you're you go to third floor, you're in the show. It's open 24 hours. You could go at 2 a.m. if you want. You could go at 4 a.m. It doesn't matter. Sunday at 1 a.m. It's open. And it's a very large show with a lot of work, and the work is based on collage. So if you're traveling or you're up in Albany, make sure to, to pop by. And, and I just wanted to also offer a chance if anyone wanted to say something that's coming up here also, feel free. I know it's pandemic time, so here's Michael. You know, I just wanted to do a, a tiny bit of shameless self-promotion. I've been Please. working on a book with a colleague that is about um, teaching a very special course that we've done over the past 11 years called Production, Installation, Performance. And we're, we're getting close to kind of finalizing all the writing on that and uh, looking for a graphic designer now. But that's a book called Start, Start With Nothing. And this is a kind of architectural project done in collaboration with a different person from the School of Humanities, Arts, and Social Sciences, and then an internationally renowned performing artist that we invite to come to Rensselaer. So hopefully by this summer, we'll have a book, which will be great. And I think I'm putting a lot of my energy into book projects in the near future. I'm really excited about that. I'm working on a children's book with a fellow out in California. And books are often the source for my imagery. So that's where I want to kind of return some of that energy to. Very exciting. I just wanted to thank you all for coming tonight. Um, it's probably one of my favorite talks I've ever held. Really loved, yeah. loved everything. <laughs> very interesting ideas that you all contributed. Appreciate it very much. Thank you Thanks so much for, for the invitation. Thanks for inviting yeah. us. Great, great, great guide to the conversation. Yeah. And my pleasure. And thank you to Kathy, too, for um, being such an oh, amazing curator yes. and co-host. Thank you, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, co-steward of the Google Doc. 
Um, <laughs> yes. <for sure>. Which <laughs> was great. In times of crisis, <laughs> times of ice storms, we have the Google Doc to lead the way. <laughs> so I guess with that, I'll just say thanks, everybody, and have a wonderful night. And we'll see you next time. Good night. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Knife drop. Knife drop. <laughs> he means exacto, exacto knife. Oh, knife drop. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's hilarious. I'm sorry I didn't laugh whole. I laugh heartily at that because that was a hilarious joke. Sorry. Nice one, Mike. Bye. Good night. I'd like to thank my guests, Kathy Greenwood, Ginny Gardner, Todd Bartell, and Michael Oatman for joining me for such a great talk. Please find more information about the exhibition Echo at the Instagram account at Albany Airport Art and Culture or at their website, albanyairportartandcultureprogram.com. Also, all the artist websites are linked in the show description of this episode. If you like the show, please consider popping over to Apple Podcasts and giving us a rating or review. We're a fledgling podcast, so every little bit helps. Additional images that go with this episode are available on our Instagram, at Pep Talks for Artists. Please follow us there to get the inside scoop. I really appreciate you stopping by, and I'll see you next time. Nice drop.